Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast from a non-Trekkie perspective. And tonight we are making it so by finally breaking down Star Trek Picard Season 3. We have reached the last generation. We are here and with my usual co-host Matt. Hello everybody. And my other usual co-host Paul. The light must be drawn here! (laughs) (laughs) Engaged! (laughs) I must say this is feeling very uh, nostalgic because it's the three of us back at Paul's round a kitchen table. Yeah. Same the old days. Yeah, Same yeah. table. We've still got here scrawled in there spotlight was the uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So much like the TNG cast returning, we have returned to our very own roots. Different property, episode. but we are yeah, we are uh, back at <laughs> Paul's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um last time we were here was for the second part of the Star Trek motion picture 4K breakdown. Uh, so yeah, we are back tackling hay fever. So oh, uh, yeah, we will have to cut Our around. Nemesis. Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to cut around any snorts or anything to make it not a disgusting <laughs> listen for you. So yeah, we might be re-recording lots of uh, lines and opinions throughout this episode. Or just imagine we're Ferengis. <laughs> yeah, we're not just like lining up lines of coke on the table mid-record. I mean, that won't help my hay fever. To be honest, as nice uh, as it might be. Well. Um, so yeah, we have been on. Quite a journey recently working our ways through all of the new track because it is available in abundance from Paramount Plus because they've got to fill their coffers and we've done Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Strange New World Season 1, Prodigy Season 1 Part 1, we're going to do Prodigy Season 1 Part 2 soon, we've done Lower Deck Season 3, we've really been revving up and now we're finally reaching the final mile we're doing Picard season three now we're going to record Prodigy season one part two later and then we will be fully caught up just in time (laughs) for as of recording Star Trek Strange New World season two to start Next week. <laughs> and then Discovery Season 5 and Lower Deck well, Season 5. Discovery Season 5 won't But we'll week. Won't. be up to date for a single week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I literally yeah, finished yeah. it last night, yeah. probably, so... Uh, Discovery Season 5 won't happen until next year. So, oh, okay. you know, that's that's a long way away. As, you know, confirmed by my good friend, yes. Doug Jones. Yes. Because Matt um, got me a very kind birthday present, which was a birthday message from Saru himself. Doug Jones, like, which oh. was... Have you yeah. not seen this book? No. Like, uh, we'll yeah, 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 we'll have to well, show you later. He does mention Spotlight in it, and he likes the title. And, uh, yeah, he did kind of drop some juice about season five. I haven't really seen it mentioned anywhere else, because we were talking in our Discovery season four episode. We recorded the review, and then we actually all got back together to say our thoughts about the announcement that Discovery was ending. Yeah. And at the time, what was you know basically announced was that they were going back to do reshoots on season five to make it a more final season. And, you know, we were kind of like, well, what? Have they shot it all and now they're reshooting like a finale or anything like that? And from what he said in this message, it sounded like basically season five, no, was completely shot, completely done. And they've gone back to shoot a sort of epilogue kind of and I'm like it doesn't sound like a whole episode it sounds like the end you know, of the ta- last episode, tacked yeah. on to the last episode but I mean he seems to think that it's you know he seems satisfied with it seems to think it's like moving and stuff like that so yeah, yeah we I should say absolute shout out to Doug Jones for that because you know this was through Cameo the popular sort of you know celeb booking uh, so you can get Richard Dreyfuss can't you 
Yes, well, this is the thing. So you can get you can get a lot of people, and you know, for a lot of them, can he play a black man for me? <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of them, I would say he probably will. <laughs> for a lot of them, I'd say you know, for what they charge, it's not worth it because it's you know, very small personal message, and some of them do it between thirty seconds or whatever. But Doug Jones, considering the uh, career he's had and his standing in so many uh, geek properties. Very reasonably priced. Good value. Plus, his... That's why he went for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a budget. And a budget. And, uh, and his messages come in at just about five minutes long, which I don't yeah. think many of them do. Like, you can tell he was taking the prompts. Because you get, you get, like, 250 characters to say a few things. So I said, like, it was your birthday. You're going to Berlin for it. And we did a Star Trek podcast. And we chatted with Ronnie Rowe. And that's basically what could fit. And so he took each of that and, like, ran and did a genuine sort of talk on, on all points and he was just yeah lovely 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 I will admit I went on there originally to see if there was some rando from the bill on there because I'm like they'll surely be I like mean, a fight I was shocked that they're yeah. not like you know I couldn't find anyone from the bill on there and I was like listeners for those who don't understand I have a weird obsession with um, long running ITV serialised police drama the bill um, that ran from 1983 to 2010 um, bring it back. Great petition here. It starts here now. What we need is the Bills version of Picard season three. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm wanting. Um, but yeah, I was horrified that they weren't on there. Like almost the point that I wanted to kind of tweet them all on Twitter. And some some of the cast members of the Bill do follow me on Twitter. So you just like, like get on cameo just so like, I can buy you saying <laughs> get around there, you donut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like get on cameo because look, I'm pretty sure you need the cash. <laughs> like what I've seen. So you know. So yeah. Just, into Picard season three, then. Into Picard season three. I'm a. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Admiral on the bridge, and Captain on the bridge. You will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you two. Boring? Well, we won't be blowing things up, taking or engaging in fire, crash landing, expectedly or unexpectedly. Those were the days. There is something coming. Battle stations. Some kind of attack. And Starfleet could be the target. There's a darkness. An all-consuming darkness. And it is getting stronger. John Luke, trust. We will have vengeance. You and I have traveled to the far reaches of space. But something's different now. This is the end, my friend. Jordy! Such pathetic old warriors. I too was once irrational, violent. Is anybody you know still the person you knew? This is life or death. It's always life or death. John Luke, when has it not been? With each ticking moment, I will take another piece of you. Battle stations! Zolu! Survival. It's human nature. We fight 
or we die. I need you. All of you. We're with you. Always. Engage. Yeah, you, so you were the first to get around to this, right? You yeah. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were way ahead of us on this one, which isn't a thing. It thing. went down so easily. Mm. My God. Like, I've not consumed like, a show like this in years. Every night we were watching this for like a, a week straight. That is unheard of. Uh-huh. This happened before we were just like, get to bed! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, me and my wife were like, it was just gleeful but you know i did take my medicine i did finish season two like i there was probably about a six or seven month gap between episodes eight and nine for me on picard season two where i had given up with it because i i tried to mm. cram it to get the record with you guys as mm. it happened in i wasn't able to make the record in the end no but i was treated to like the will we in cameo which is one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life <laughs> Um, Still don't even really understand it. The no, we caveat, uh, but you can take kind of contrast that kind of what they thought was fan service in season two versus what is yeah. fan service done in a, in a different way in this season where it feels like it earned and like works for the story. It's telling and finishing a story. I think that's interesting. Like the whole point of like you know, seeing Will Wheaton versus seeing you know anybody turn up in this series, like how different it feels, mm-hmm. and then also that bullshit bit of like you know where he has. The Project Khan file, like oh, uh, in, oh, the, in, the, in the drawers. Oh, and there was back, those two scenes were back to back. If I look, I was like, "This is horrendous." Oh. It would, you know. Anyway, so what's well, that? Interesting point. Before we go on to Picard season three, having now watched Picard season three, mm-hmm. are you glad you went back and watched those episodes of Picard season two? Like, in terms of, do you think it enriched your experience coming to season three? Or do you think it wouldn't have mattered if you'd seen those or not? If you'd just given up halfway through season two and just skipped straight to season three, would it have mattered? Uh, it's hard to say, because I, mean, I I don't think it mattered, really, because, yeah, three could be watched on its own, but I think you... Because Raffi is in this one, I suppose, yes. because, you know, we all speculated, actually. We thought... We kind of thought there was no recurring mm. season one, two, kind of, like, new entrance. Come moving over to three, it was going to be Picard, literally the, the sole person. Mm. So it would... Otherwise, you wouldn't really need to worry about it because she did come across, and it's good to know where she, where they ended up. Yeah, yeah, it's good to know who Raffi is. They did just drop the seven of nine, kind of they back together, and then they're not back together. Like you know, it, you know. But yeah, they seem to forget they're in a romantic relationship yes. in the, in this season, and also I will say, considering that Picard told Raffi at the end of season one, he's like, I love you, Raffi. <laughs> they, they, I swear they barely have a scene together in the, in, in this season. They've got like, zero chemistry. Yeah, you know, like, and yeah. I don't and I think there's that problem I think people have talked about where you've got a character you love and they introduce a new character and say, Yes. They they've got backstory of your 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 main man here. Mm. Like they're really good friends. Like, well, I don't know who this person is. I do not trust them. It's like, you know, mum's dating a new guy and you're like, yeah, I don't yeah. like them at all. <laughs> I will say though, of Raffi, um, played by Michelle Hurd, I thought she was a lot better here because it was a thing of, like we say, I think we kind of speculated that there would be none of the new characters mm. for the first two seasons of Picard in this. And, you know, none of them are apart from her. And I was kind of like, oh, why do you have to bring me? You should have just ditched all of that. Why do you have to bring her back almost? But actually, you know what? Once she teamed up with Worf, I actually thought through her relationship with Worf, because they kind of become like a team for like the first half of the season, really. 
I kind of thought she was really enriched as a character through that kind yeah. of through her chemistry with Worf. Well, I actually think she had more chemistry with Worf than yeah. she ever did with Picard. I you love know? your Worf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's where it worked better because you're right because it was this necessary sort of secondary plot line throughout the sort of first half of this, and I think one of the strengths of the season that, that we'll get into is the fact that it feels very almost the whole thing is in real time. Like it's one ongoing thing. Yes. And it's kind of like the way we've often said on the show of how serialized versus episodic and, you know, often bemoan the serialized thing. But I think this is serialized done well. And I think, and this obviously went into helping you guys like do it in smash through it in like a week because it did feel very propulsive. It did feel like everything Mm -hmm. led into another Mm -hmm. thing. I think Raffi's stuff with Worf was the necessary, like setting up a, a secondary threat to come later on, while the, and you needed something else to cut to at that point. Yeah, well, it would be extremely obvious it was a bottle show. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just a bottle show, it was a bottle season. Exactly, yeah. And All just in space on the ship, which was yeah. really interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. and, um, but, like, you didn't... The funny thing is, like, it felt more epic than yeah. anything shot on location in season one and season two. Yeah. With all these sweeping shots of Picard's chateau, armies in the fields, you know, like, you know, at night. All that kind of stuff, car chases actually felt really small yeah. compared to what felt huge because the, the stakes were massive. Yes. You know, in this, like that's, you know, the whole kind of submarine sort of aspect of the first mm. half of this season is tense. It's It's got drama, like it's got so much going on. You never look up and say, do you know what? They haven't actually left this, these five sets, this whole episode. It's like, you don't care because the drama is so yeah. epic. And then in the, the second half, I mean, you know, building build to the finale, like the rest of the budget went there, didn't it? And it's, yeah. It's so mm. disappointing. Oh, it definitely well, did. Well, I, think yeah, yeah. This, I think this season for me is the closest Star Trek anything has felt to the JJ movie. Like mm-hmm. both kind of look and feel and tone. I think a lot of that is through Vanek is initially quite a very Eric Banner style sort of villain. Yes. Well, yeah. and Frakes does actually get to say, fire everything! But it's funny you say the JJ movies... The thing that this did remind me the most of was the old school movies, the original crew movies in particular, and a bit of First Contact as well, but the yeah. original, mm. the tone the original crew movies in particular, because, of course, when the Next Generation crew did their films, they were fresh off the series, still kind of young and vibrant, whereas this was them coming back all older after a big break, which was the original yeah. series movies. And that's why it really reminded me. It felt it had that kind of tone with them, kind of like especially Star at the Trek's beginning. Very, very tired. Yeah, yeah, especially at the beginning with uh, Picard and Riker, um, kind of <laughs> essentially going rogue and trying to get hold of a ship together. It kind of felt like them in those original series movies where they were all going off on their own missions away from Starfleet. I and the vibe of two old people trying to break out of an old folks. Home. Yeah, like, I, I just still loved. Shit. I loved that vibe. I loved it. I think like, it's great that like you know what they did hint at in season one where Picard get, tries to get like a ship and he goes to like an admiral and they're like the fucking like you know on you like to try ask us like oh well yeah what did she say the fucking you, audacity or what, yeah, yeah whatever you said on TV about us like you know people are going to give you a shit I just think that's good in because you know they are legends to the viewer they're legends within the kind of canon of the show but like it doesn't mean it's like a free pass to anything they yeah. want and I love the fact that they have like real world problems they have to kind of basically blag yeah uh, their way into the nightclub almost like you know with with this ship and uh, and it's brilliant to kind of to see them you know despite being legendary it doesn't quite buy you a free yeah. meal well I love how um, much uh, Shaw's whole great. character was about being like yeah I don't care who you are or whatever like I'm not letting you do this or this he has mm. a really good sort of adversary he does a lot of heavy lifting in terms of what 
as like you know something to bounce the characters off. Mm, yeah. But he's exactly at that point of just being like, yeah, look, you're just look, an admiral and an ex-captain. I'm the captain now. It's my ship. Like, yeah. yeah, without a ship. Yeah. Like, and um, I think, you know, let's get into Liam Shaw like, like straight off the bat because I think one of the reasons this show is so compelling is, you know, whilst Vanek is, you know, the, the main baddie for the first half of the show, like you've got this antagonist on the ship that is a fantastic foil for our characters. But you can't help but like him because everything he says is right. Yeah. Like he, yeah, they, why would you agree to this stuff that they're <laughs> saying? Like, we should just go out the way. Like, oh, we're the edge of, edge of space. We're back in time for like, you know, for round here day. No, I request a night. Well, <laughs> yes, and, he and, is brilliantly performed by Todd Stashway. I have kept this train running for five years, 36 missions. You don't get where you're told to go by standing in front of it and then moving the track. Respectfully, Captain. I am an admiral. Retired. Congrats on that. But I'm still a captain. Without a chair. Titan's mine now. I'm really sorry, fellas. I love you. I do. I love reading about all your wildly exciting and equally irresponsible adventures. But I have orders that come down from actual officers whose pay grade are far above all of ours. So, request... No. He is fantastic in this show. And uh, the thing he reminded me of the most mm. was all the old, like, CTU bosses in 24 mm, who yeah. would be, at first, seem like dicks and be like, no, Bauer, we're not going to let you do what you <laughs> want. Like Mason in yeah. season one and two. And then be like, I'll turn out to be an absolute legend yeah. and sacrifice themselves. So, which, of course, <laughs> yeah. he does. And, you know, one thing I would say is, like, I kind of was slightly disappointed with his death because I liked him so much. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted him to stick around, but also I kind of thought he deserved, you know, like I said, I was comparing him to people like Mason in 24 who get like a grad, like driving like a fucking nuke into the fucking desert or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I wanted him to have something bigger to kind of, you know, to sacrifice himself over. Yeah. But, you know, he, he was great. He was fantastic. Yeah, I know. I, I think it's, um, his, his demise came about like a little bit kind of, yeah, it was a bit un, underplay for me, but it was fine, like because leading up to that, like where he gets sort of taken out of action by an injury, and then of course Ryan has to step in, but he's like still useful, you know. And it's like part of his character as being like a grease monkey, you know, an engineer yes, yeah. comes back into play in a very uh, everything happens very organically. The setup and payoff yeah. through the show is brilliant. Like you know, it's Bob Gale Zemeckis sort yeah. of style writing where you've got like there's going to be some callbacks. Like you know, you watch it again the. the the richness of like mm. the, the Easter eggs that are planted through there. And Easter eggs, Easter eggs in Star Trek is as good as anything, giving them a bad name through season one and two, where Easter eggs in virtue is fan service. Whereas here, it's actually, there's a reason these yeah. are going to be dropping because they actually have a point. It goes to show how far just tightening up that aspect of, you know, storytelling and writing can go to like making everything so much more cohesive and understandable mm. and engaging in so many other knock-on effects. And they're very, I mean, like, Metallus is very much aware, like, you know, people are going to go, well, it's a, it's a son. Kirk had a son in Trek 2. Oh, there's a Batman Nebula. Oh, they did that in Trek 2. But I think, you know, he's trying to subvert a lot of that stuff, change it and make it make sense for these characters. And yeah, when you kind of take back, yeah, on the surface, it's a bit of a parallel, but like it's played so much differently and it means so much different, you know, a lot of different things. You know, Mm. Kirk knew he had a son. Picard is discovering he has a son and he has to deal with that in this life or death situation. And we can, I think, Liam, you've got a few things you want to say about like Patrick Stewart's performance in this show. 
Yeah, well, just to mention Terry Metalis, who is the sole showrunner of season three. He was co-showrunner of season two as well, as these were obviously shot back to back. In season two, he was sharing duties with Akiva Goldsman, who we know of old, of course, legendary scriptwriter of Batman and Robin. And Free pass for life for that alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though questionable everything else. <laughs> um, Including and- that. I mean, the number one, the fact that season two and three was shot back to back, not only back to back, but Matt, you believe at the same time, like they were actually shooting, like yeah, it's, alternating it's, scenes of season two and three. It said there were certain scenes were done during the season two blocks, and I'd love to know which they were, but then once season two all wrapped up, they went straight on to the rest of three. I, this is absolutely insane to me because the difference in quality. Between not only the not only ever I mean the quality of everything, but specifically Patrick Stewart's performance in season two and season three, and you know season one and season two and season three, it is light years difference because genuinely when we watched season one and two, I genuinely was worried that Pichu was maybe past it. Like you know, in terms of I was well, watching going, someone who's always seemed old, but now he seems. Yeah, suddenly he seemed doddery. And I was just watching going like, oh my God, has he kind of lost it? And you know, this season, it shows how much difference good writing and good direction makes. And being surrounded by your friends again. Because he is absolutely on fire. And the thing is, what's interesting is he is older. Obviously, naturally, you know, he is is an older gentleman and he is older and that is, is shown in the season he is clearly older. But here, they use it to their advantage. It actually works to his character that he is older and he is a man looking back over his life. But his actual performance is pure fire. Like, literally, when we get... I mean, I thought he was he was great straight away. Like, first couple episodes, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can tell he's much more engaged with the material <laughs> here. But in episode three, there is a scene between him and Beverly Crusher, Gates McFadden, where he's clearly... We, we, we know, because Patrick Stewart has talked about this a lot, that his father was an abusive husband and beat his mother, like, frequently. And, you know, he's, he's, he talked very openly about this. Very, very sad. You know, it sounds like his his dad was suffering from terrible PTSD uh, from being a soldier and stuff like that. And now Patrick does kind of charity work involved in that. But there's this scene between him and Beverly where basically they talk about how, and he clearly draws on his own experience, mm. how uh, Picard had always been scared of becoming his own father if he had a son. And that's why she never told him about Jack, his son. And he has this really emotional reaction where obviously he's an older man now and he's like, yes, I did fear that when I was younger, but I've come to realise that I would have now or never have become my father. And you never gave me the opportunity to find out. And his performance is so raw, so emotional, so true. And I was like, fuck me. Where has this guy been the last two seasons? Over and over. You told me how you never wanted to have a family, that you could never be a father because you were too afraid you'd be like your own. Don't take my past and use it to justify and rationalize your actions. How dare you take my confiding in you about my father, about my fears, and use it to cut me out of the biggest decision of my life. What could have been had I known? 
what might I have been? Father, a husband. I know now I would never have been my father. But I could have learned that 20 years before. Well, it's interesting because, like, you know, season one and two are absolutely shaped by him as the producer. Like, and, mm. you know, the whole reason the show happened is because he said yes. Yes. So he has a massive sway over it. God is back. And I think, you know, a lot of his, you know, interests politically, you know, what he wants to focus on, like the uh, ice in season two. Yes. Bits just yeah. don't kind of work together and stuff. You know, obviously, Star tries to do a social commentary, but it just felt so ham fisted mm. in season one and two. Here, like, it's Metallus's idea and, you know, he's having to kind of essentially go along with it a little bit, you know, and be sold on the idea of, like, having a son. And, you know, I don't think he was particularly, you know, for it initially, but he was talked around and, you know, because it, you've got to also convince Gates McFadden as well that, like, you and McCard did have a relationship, you do have a son together, like, you know, you know this character better than it's, I'm coming in here saying this is what I want to happen and well, the actors did buy into it. Like, you know, and I, I think that's Metallica's strength like here is that he's going to get everybody on, on the same page and um, and really commit to them, this new vision of it. And it does, that's why it feels so cohesive. Yeah, it's an amazing moment, like, leads into, like, it might be the end of that episode where, you know, they, they're about to, uh, Liam Shaw's about to let Jack be taken by the um, the baddies. And he's like, belay that order. And, like, they shut it down, lock everything down. And he goes, he's my son. Yeah, that and is that's, amazing. That's such that, an awesome. That is incredible. Ending, I think at the end of I think the end of episode three <laughs> is the is the bit where Riker tells Picard you that you, you, you've doomed us all. Like I think, yeah. like yeah, yeah I think is, that's yeah. the end of episode three. Because yeah, leading up to that, we've got the amazing. I love anything with portals anyway, but using giant portals for like terrorism, great idea. And then they have that whole chase through the nebula and the I wrote down the Shrek, but it's not the Shrek. Shrek, yeah. Shrek. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that'd be a very different. Using their portal tech to keep sort of the, the Titan in, in, in its grasp. And then the great trick of, yeah, fire everything you've got. And then the portal opens and it, they hit themselves with their own missiles and then sink into this nebula and, and Riker ordering yeah. Picard off. It's such a great cliffhanger. Yeah. But that felt like the end of a part one of a two part well, TNG thing. Do you know, it's just like everything, the space stuff looks so good. Yeah, oh, it looks feels amazing. good because they've slowed it down. Like, the ships move like yes. ships. That, you know, and I think, you know, they have to reposition to fire. It's so much more dramatic than yeah. having whiz, bang, and zipping. Yeah. And it's, you know, trying to do all these manoeuvres. All the dogfights in season one and two were, like, small ships and kind of, like, lasers and things going. But this gives everything so much more kind of, like, weight and heft. Where you've got this big ship and it's scale as well, scale, and that's that's yeah. what is so beautiful. It's got the about naval this. feel, yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. why it, it goes back to the you know what Nicholas Meyer did for Trek Two. You know, okay, yeah, it's in the Nebula game, but it's a different. There are different rules here, and I love that. Yeah, it's sort of the bit where they can throw an object like the rock with the tractor beam, and they lob it at the other ship. Yeah, throwing the asteroid. Like, did you just throw an asteroid with a ship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when, like, the time disappears into the portal as well, and you see it sort of disappearing, again, that's very Trek 09 with the black hole mm. opening up and stuff. Yes. So those sort of visual effects touches were just like, mm, yeah, really. They did. Yeah. they did. Like, they weren't, like, from what's worked before, but, like, it, it's funny how repackaging that never felt like it was derivative. It was still, mm. like, charting new ground. Like, for me, it was fresh. That it could have easily felt like this is just like Trek playing the hits, but it, it never did because it was just compelling. It was using the original recipe ingredients to tell, uh, to do an encore song mm. as opposed to a covers band. Yeah, but I think that's also you've got to see like 
these characters, they're not the characters you remember. Like, with Carl, we've obviously got to know at his age through first things about seeing, understanding a bit more where Frakes is in his life. Yeah. He's never been better as Riker. He is superb in this. I, I, I actually wrote down MVP of the season, mm, question mark. Yeah. Like, I kind of think it is Frakes who randomly holds it all together rather than Pichu. I mean, number one, like, I feel it's fucking great. I feel it's amazing. Yeah, they all look so great. And, like, he just... He feels like he's outgrown Picard, mm-hmm. like in terms of Riker. Yeah, man, yeah. yeah, exactly. Riker was which his is always one. his arc in the series, right? Of like yeah. when you're going to get your own ship and stuff. But here, he re- you really believe it. You really believe he's A like on his own. He's become his own man. Yeah, and really, when he orders Picard off the bridge, I was kind of like, yeah, sorry, Riker, right now. You kind of Picard. They kind of showed that he is kind of aging, and it is a bit like. Riker still has that fire in his belly as a captain. You know, Picard was kind of wrong because he kind of blames the loss of his son, uh, loss of Riker's son, on his like indecision. He's just like, I know you're scared because of the loss of your son. It's just like, and he kind of is really angry with him, and rightfully so, really. Like, you know, in terms of because he's like manipulating him. But they, I love that they kind of, they patch that up very quickly. And the, the relationship between him and Picard is very, very heartfelt. But Riker's relationship with loads of characters is great. Like, obviously, his romance with Troy is still there, but also his little rivalry with Worf is so funny in terms of mm. they clearly love each other. Yeah. As going, but at the same time, there's still a little bit yeah, of, yeah. of, you know, because of the fact that Worf and Troy had a little bit of a yeah, romance back in the day the show, as yeah. well. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Troy, like, they, in season seven, they had like a, a quite a, a, an art. It was a few episodes where they were, it was alluded to romance, yeah. But it wasn't like in true TNG style. There was like no wrapping up to that. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> not like him oh, and no, Dax. There was no. Yeah, it does feature in all good things. Like there, yeah. there, there's a bit of a, there's quite a bit there which I won't go into because it's worth exploring that. Mm. You know when you get to that. Mm. But um, but it is but when they all get reunited and like yes. him and uh, Riker and Mark, and then he's like, ah, oh, Troy, I've long since <laughs> waited to be reunited. Yeah, with you. Yeah. <laughs> what does he what does he say? Like uh, um, <laughs> that's my wife. Yeah. yeah it was, <laughs> Oh, yeah, he says, is this still part of the torture? <laughs> uh, inappropriate. I think he says, yeah, inna- yeah inappropriate. <laughs> and later on, Worf says on the fridge, he says, oh, um, and I will make it a threesome. He's like, do you hear yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They, they have fantastic drama, dramatic scenes where you have, where Riker's been struggling with, like, you know, the loss and kind of, like, you know, the mortality of himself and those being in this depression, hasn't he? He's mm. lost his spark. And his, when he finally does get to speak to Marina Sirtis and kind of explain that, and it, she was, you know, she was basically reading his mind, wasn't it, before? And, like, mm. it wasn't helping. Well, she was saying that basically what they say is that because they were both grieving over the loss of their son, that she was using her, like, empath powers to basically manipulate his emotions in terms of to basically kind of get over his grief so it didn't affect their relationship that was the thing that driven them apart because once he discovered that he was like well no that was the last remnants i had emotionally of my son and you would take and yes it was hard but i needed to have that grief process and you were actually taking it from me yeah which i found really emotional for speaking as someone who uh, lost their father-in-law earlier this year very suddenly, obviously I've been around a lot of people who are experiencing a, a huge amount of grief. And it is a process. 
And to have that robbed of you, mm. like it, it wouldn't help at all. It would be really, really effective. So I, when they had that conversation, I was like, holy shit, that really hit home. And then the levity of the humour, like at the end of that scene, which is when Wolf comes in, it just like it, it just makes you just you know you've had that dramatic moment as a viewer, and then you you know you get you relax again yes. and you feel in good hands, and it's like that the judgment of the the makers and the actors and you know everybody's involved to kind of pull that off time and again where where the humour never feels forced, but it it comes along at the right moment to just bring this crew bit by bit back together until they are the full contingent again yes and i yes. think you know bringing the, the whole s of bringing the band together like you you know you know it's going to happen but like i think it's just very nice how each one does get their kind of reintroduction it's quite gradual know? isn't yeah, it they're, they're not fully formed back together until the end of episode like eight yeah and that's good yeah. because i think you know too much of them all together would have been like you know having too much dessert i think you for anticipate the, for the two parts yeah for the yeah. two part to kind of cap it all off and like you say it would have been it would have been too easy and fan servicey to just introduce these characters again and have them be exactly as they were when yeah. we last saw them but you're right yeah. each of them's but obviously 20 years on there so. wasn't room for them all I suppose there's just so much going on with like Beverly and and, and Jack and uh, and Picard Shaw and Seven of Nine who we've not even mentioned yet they, you know you can't see much room for like where's Geordie's scene going to be or like you know, it just everything happened at the right time yeah. they all got a moment to shine though I mean this is the thing leading off Frakes like I say being the MVP what I will say is I was genuinely impressed by all of these actors returning to their roles because, you know, I, I'll admit, I, I was kind of like... Because, like you say, Peace Jew, we, we've seen him a lot through through the years. Not just as Picard, but obviously he's been Professor X in the X-Men films, but he's, you know, he's a big actor. He's in plenty of things. we Green Room, we see him Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, he he's around <laughs> a lot. Ghost. Whereas a lot of the other actors, Jonathan Frakes, Marie Sirtis, Michael Dorn, they're in stuff, but you're not like... Conventions. But you're not seeking that. You're not what's that? Conventions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're not seeing them every day on films and TV and stuff like that. And so, a part, yeah, <laughs> a part of me was like, will they all be able to kind of muster the the special stuff for this? Because at this point, TV's moved on so much. You know, this is a far more kind of lavish production kind of now and everything like that. And you're like, will they actually be able to bring it for this? And, you know, I totally think they already did. Yeah. I, I was so impressed by all of them. None of them seemed like they skipped a beat. Like, you know, it was straight away, I cut Gates McFadden kind of opens the first episode. Yeah. You kind of see her before we even see Picard. And she looks fantastic, and she is Blowing awesome. Away. Yeah, yeah, she's like a fucking warrior woman. Like I think, like if if anything, I kind of feel she's very prominent in the early episodes. And I kind of feel once you get into the father and son relationship between Picard and Jack, it's almost like she fades the background a little <laughs> in terms of because it's like she was very important at the start, and then it's like oh, it's focusing on them. But like you say, everyone gets their own show. She's brilliant at the beginning. Obviously, Frakes is just fantastic. But like everyone, like by her reasons, I think there's the thing, the character's reasons for like not telling Picard. Yes. Yeah, like you're number you're number one with a bullet in the galaxy. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. I've already lost Will Wheaton to some bullshit, and you know, obviously, <laughs> I've lost my husband before the show started. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like okay, these are all things that we know to be true in canon. 
like it makes sense to me that you would want your next son to not be killed. Yeah, and it is true uh, that like literally just Picard just getting kidnapped every week it, or whatever, it, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah. It makes narrative sense and you're like, okay, it, it's sometimes a big of a stretch to say my characters have like hooked up off screen and this has happened, but like I had no problems with it. Because yeah, when are they saying that Jack was born? Literally when... after Nemesis, I think. Right. Yeah, because yeah. he's like... The, he's, meant, the... he's playing young. He's, he's maybe like 21 or something. Well, yeah, he's 35 in real life. And it's <laughs> I thought I was like, how old's he meant to be? Yeah, he's what Ed, Ed, Ed Spleers, this is. He plays Jack He does not bad for Jack oh, oh, I think he totally, he, he totally works. You, you believe, I, I didn't watch it going, oh, he's way, way too old. If anything, I was like, oh, he's too, too young. To have been uh, yeah. uh, by uh, by them, so literally, I think he pulls it off. I don't know. I mean, he he's, he's good at, but he, I, I never bought the age thing. Like somebody like Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Is probably, oh, he no. I'm, as I'm saying, he's probably oh, 21 oh, now. That's what a 21 year old looks. Oh, like. you mean is not saying yes, yes, yes. I get what you mean in terms. So of I, I never bought if it's anyone below okay. 30 years old. Well, I, I it didn't bother me. It didn't. Like, I didn't rub up. But so I'm like. I think good because they they brought the actor in that that wants to play the part, thankless role in a sense. Yes. Like you're 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 asking a lot. Of somebody's like got to be constantly asking questions, constantly in this kind of state of, you know, nobody seems to want you and kind of like you're an outsider and you know it's a really hard to, to play. Yeah. Nobody's got any kind of like stake in you because you're like the new face. Yeah. You know, you're Captain Decker. Like nobody says. Yeah. Well, but he makes you care enough. Like yeah, yeah. I agree. Let's talk about Jack Crusher a bit because. I gotta say, I got the impression. Obviously, you're not on Twitter anymore, Paul. But I am, and like, obviously, I follow a lot of Star Trek accounts and stuff like that. So I see a lot of conversation, mm-hmm. and obviously, the 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 reception to Picard season three has been very positive. But in general, I kind of like feel like Jack Crusher was not well liked by people. Like you know, people did not like his character. And I gotta say, I really disagree. I thought he, I thought he was great. Like yeah, I thought he was really yeah, good. Any prickliness you've got to get from him again explained in the flashback in season episode five or something like where he's where you know Picard is like regaling some cadets with like yes, his exploits. Yeah, really emotionally affecting that made, scene. Yeah, and a brilliant like reveal to like you know yeah. he says, oh what what if you did have a family? Starfleet's the only family I need, and he's like. Great. Okay, that's me. Fucking never wanting to know you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. That puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? And it's like, okay, like there's reasons for all the things that you might find a bit grating about the character, but there's point. There's a point to it. Yeah, I think he he grew on me as it went on for scenes like that and where his character goes. But yeah, I'll admit at the start I was like, ah, oh, he's a bit of the weak link because it felt like they were very trying to make him a bit Star Lordy. Like it's very cocky. He played like classic rock music on the sound system. I was like, what are you? Yeah. And I saw him earlier this year in You Season 4. And he was oh, like, yes, he's the bad guy. Yeah, he's, 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 he's fun yeah. in that. So I'm like, it's the year of Spleers, I guess. It's a guess, show but... called You. It's a show called You. <laughs> On Netflix. <laughs> Me? No, I didn't do this. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look much like uh, Fishy, does he? But I... He Neither told... did Tom Hardy. And he but yeah, clone, yeah so. exactly, exactly. I mean, he looks more like Tom Hardy. But yeah, I really liked him. I thought it was interesting to see that kind of like you know because he was a little bit geezery kind of thing and stuff like that so she's headbutting people at the well that, that might be why yeah. I was like ugh because he's he's geezery in, in new season 4 as well That's yeah but I character. liked that obviously yeah so, well yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like it was cool to see that kind of character around the starship oh, yeah in Star Trek yeah yeah and he just like walked up a guy rich toy film yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like it was, did a double bill watched the first two of his films for the first time you did but, yeah well, you've never seen Lost never... or Crustache no I've oh my seen, god! I just seen Rock and Roll, which I did like. Did you Did you enjoy? 
Yeah, they're yeah. fine. Yeah. I, I felt that Snatch was a bit of a remake of Lockstar. Yeah, it is. It was, oh, yeah. it totally is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it totally but is. That's why I like Lockstar more because it's like this is yeah. the first one out of the I, I love Lockstar. That I also prefer Lockstar because it's got that indie verve. It was made for like next to no money, and it yeah. really has. But that. they do a lot with very little. Oh, really, they do. Yeah, 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 I yeah. think that's that's terrific about it. But to see, well, because I'd just grown up on the Adam and Joe spoof of Guy Ritchie yes, as, Guy, as Guy Ritchie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's yeah, it's kind of street. Poetry, like uh, <laughs> how I imagine it to be. Like when they just do like a you know culture show kind of. Like, well, it's hey, meant to be Mark Cousins, isn't Mark it? Cousins. I think. Like, yeah. As the daughters, yeah. Good evening. Guy Rich Toy has made some of the most brilliant films of the last hundred years. Lock, stock, and two barrels of smoking monkeys was wicked, and my mate Dave knows every line off by heart. Following the success of that film, he met and married the international singing star Madoga. But rather than settling into a domestic routine, he returned to his roots as a Cockney villain for his second film, Twat, which he has joined me to discuss in ludicrous depth today. Guy Twat was a tremendously complex film that perfectly captured the world of boxing and crime as I imagine it to be. What's Madoga like in bed? Yeah, well, there's a lot of what we call characters in the film. So I used a technique known as montage of characters, where they're all introduced one by one with their names on, all quick like Bish Bash Jack the Fucking Nori with music on top. But not like the wife does, you know what I mean? Good music with guitars and that. Bash, wallop, calendula. There are, as you see, literally dozens of characters, all with these amazingly colourful names, evoking a very real kind of street poetry. I'm right, aren't I? Uh, yeah, yeah, what you said. Bosh, Barnet, Wonky Donkey. Mm, absolutely. I mean, watching it, it's like they had it down so yeah. well. It absolutely. So now all of that makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't not really make sense. It's just like it just skewered it so well. It's like, can I enjoy this film on its own character? Like, and I did. I had a, I had a blast. With yeah, it. it's just like uh, <laughs> it's just like you use this. <laughs> oh, it's a bit like raging bull, raging fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> is that good did I sound streetwise uh, yeah. sort of <laughs> it's like my mate Jimmy said when we was old up banks you don't measure it up as <laughs> oh my god incredible hunt down twat on, by Adam and Joe on YouTube it is yeah. incredible and anyway well, we do reference the stuff Trek so often on this show yes, in yes, fact you've referenced yeah. it twice without even thinking about it today yeah <laughs> it was because we keep going ah oh, better like yeah. And that's literally from Soft Track. Yeah, yeah so uh, I think, you know, their, their parodies are, like, second to none. Well, actually, talking about that, there was a, a slightly odd bit in this towards the end when they were meant to be in 10 forward and they make a reference to Guinan being there but she is not. We don't see yeah. Whoopi. Being that she was in season two, I thought it was about to like pan over. Yeah, and, and Whoopi was, was going to be there, going, "Hey." That was really weird. I, I had a note that just says, "Was Whoopi busy?" Yeah, yeah, it's just like be like, "Oh, there she is over there." Especially they filmed season two. Just, back just, to back. just pull some footage from the cutting room floor from season, from two. season two. Yeah, yeah. like because I almost just thought, "Don't even mention her. Don't even remind us that she's mm. like meant to be there." Because now it just seems weird. It does seem a bit weird, but like you know, everybody else came back. I mean. Yeah. everybody else yeah I really you know and there's other kind of like references as well I really like Frontier Day but like the thing where they know the bomb's going to go off in mm, episode yeah. one you know it's the Rachel Garrett who's the captain of Enterprise C in Next Gen like right. the one that they you know they have to send back in time to a certain death like you know um, the Yesterday's Enterprise Yesterday's one? Enterprise one mm. yeah just like that feels cool because it's just it's universe expanding it makes sense that that would be somebody you'd honour like you know since she saved the history we've got yes 
Um, Talk about yesterday's enterprise. There's a little tiny bit of Tashiar at one point. Is it? Where yeah, where uh, Data yeah, has, is uh, having his kind of like mind the mind mind battle with Law. Yeah. At one point, he's talking about his memories and like he has a little like hologrammatic projection, almost like Princess Leia and Star yeah. Wars. And it's Tashiar ah. comes out of his hand. Yeah. It's like a thing. And he's just like yeah, well, yeah. But they had a relationship briefly. Yeah, it was like, a little nod to that. Obviously, yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah, like I am fully functional. I mean, that whole mind battle that Data had with Law, I, at first, when it started, I was kind of like, haven't we been here before a little bit? And then when it went on, and of course, you know what's going to be that got me, it's when he brought Spot out. Yeah. And so, and being like, and he was like, oh, you know, this thing, you taught me how to love. And, everything. and he uses that to um, destroy uh, yeah, 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 to take down Law, because he's like, Law is taking these emotional memories that that has as like trophies and actually it's like yeah my memories my my love and that experience it makes me stronger than you and can bring me back and uh yeah i i gotta say i found that emotional i found when when it seemed like data had kind of just given up and died i was like what and then like yeah and then he came back and it was just and it was through his you know love for kind of spotting those memories so i was like oh it's beautiful that was already fun that stuff i thought that was a really good way of Getting to have your cake and eat it and do data law and B4 and all the stuff, but have it all portrayed in the one body. Like, has that been done before? Has there been data playing it all in one person? Like, not to that degree. It seems like such an obvious thing to do for that sort of character. He was kind of taking over from Santiago Cabara yeah. yeah. for this season of like having a million different personalities. And oh, his, yeah, yeah. Uh, it always feels body. like it's one or the other or they or it's separate people, but that was a good way of getting all those characters in within the one body and consolidating yeah. and sort of bringing back data in a way that makes sense. And yeah, it allowed yeah. for another emotional scene, which is, again, really highlighted LeVar Burton, that scene where his daughter feels like she's about to be killed and Law has lo- has taken over, Data has locked them behind that door and they've got that door between them. And Geordi emotionally is just, begging law to basically try to get through to data through him like to save his daughter the brilliant performance from burton like yeah, i mean like yeah. i said they all get their moment to shine yeah well, yeah. Like, yeah i like that he's like you know sort of the steward of the historic dockyard yes and yeah. that was brilliant as well i mean i was like, just a like, lovely moment because it's like it wasn't necessarily driving the plot for but it was just a great mm. Well, it was setting things up because it does pay off, but it was... Um, you know, well, it makes sense that he's been working on the Enterprise D because it's like, oh, this is literally his job, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And But, you know, that, but there's more than just that. They give him this, like, the daughters as well to make him, like, a different person than you saw before he's got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's got two daughters. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, one doesn't follow in his footsteps and becomes a helmsperson instead. Yeah. And, you know, and that kind of friction. Budding thing. romance with Jack as well. Yeah. Is like one of them played by his real daughter? Is yes, that, or both of them? Or? Yeah, the I think the person who is the um, is the engineer is his daughter. Oh, uh, uh, okay, yeah. okay, that's yeah. interesting. It's fine. It's, yeah, and yeah, I love yeah. that it was a great. Well, moment. Jack Crusher is the biggest yeah. nepo baby of them all. Both yeah. him and Worf, incredible silver foxes. Like, oh yeah, okay. way way to fucking age like a badass to everybody in this. Uh, well, yeah, I mean Dawn is, is still a completely believable badass. Mm. I mean he's very he's very much DS Nine Worf in this. Like in terms of like, but at the same time, still evolved from that. In terms of, it's like what I like is we've now 
because um, Worf literally, essentially, is the, the guy who's been the most episodes, probably, hasn't yeah, he? Like, yeah, surely now. And so, literally, we've got to see him as three very distinct versions of that character mm. over the years, because the DS9 Worf is very different from the TNG Worf. And then this one is, is again, he's like this samurai Buddhist. Like, yeah, yeah just like, which is really cool. I know, and yeah. like, he's learned, like, patience and has tea and kind of, like, you know, thinks about it. He's not straight to what's to do war. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's ready to like throw down at the moment's notice. He still like, can slice off a fucking Ferengi's head, like yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. It was just, it was really funny. Like Wolf is just great comic relief yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, but like, you know, a great character as well. He's not just for joke. You know, the butt of the jokes. He's just, he's just very fun to be yes, with, yes. isn't he? And, and, and uh, he does pair up for that episode where they go to the um the the vault, the Federation vault, to find what's been stolen, and it's like yeah. Picard's body. Fantastic reveal that it's a, that it's his yes. corpse. Yeah, 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 it's fucking cool. But like you've got the Moriarty hologram, it's part of the defense. Yeah, I could have could have probably done without that. Like I think just in terms that felt a little bit that because it's funny. I wanted to talk about fan service and nostalgia in this because there are so many people now who because it's become such a big thing because obviously you know we live in a world where the majority of TV and film is IP based. The nostalgia or member berries, as people call them, is such a huge thing. Who the hell calls it member berries? Oh, it's a huge thing that people call things member berries. It is meant to be very dismissive in terms of like, oh, you remember this, so you like it. Uh. For me, it's like, yes, of course, some fan service, some nostalgia <laughs> is, is, is cheap. Of course it is. But I think the idea that anything that is like, you know, reminds you of why you love something is bad, is is simply wrong. Because I think when it's done well, for me, it's like, no, it's just a continuation of that story. And it's done so well that you're like, oh, wow, yes, I'm back with these characters. I remember. And that's, for me, what this does. In terms of, but that moment... I thought Moriarty was a little bit kind of, that did feel a little fan servicey. Well, me. I think it we, it could initially come across that way, and yeah, I think it was you know, oh, that's that's this, this is it. But when it becomes, it's like they're using Data's whole personality as the defense system. So things that that were basically part of his story or his uh, experiences yes. were manifesting as kind of the defense. I was like, I can buy that now okay. more, more appropriately. It was basically doing the Indiana Jones thing about walking past the wall and there's like uh, the Eye of the Covenant. Uh-huh. Are you sure pretty sure <laughs> like when they pass like kirk's body it's, it's stored there as well oh i didn't i don't think i picked up on yeah that there's on like Kirk, captain yeah. kirk's corpse is there as well what like, yeah. I that as well. yeah 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 yeah. i mean i've got to say it is almost in this age it is i, I know shatner has become a, uh, i mean i don't know is he problematic i mean slightly like you know I think certainly, yeah, he's he's got some he's got some odd views. <laughs> like I think, like yeah, but I don't think he's like cancelled or anything. We, I'm kind of surprised they haven't brought him back at this stage. Like in you know in the world new chat that they haven't got back for a cameo or something like that. Like you know, because I'm sure he would. But I guess if he is canonically dead at a certain age and now he's way older than that, yeah, he's yeah. canonically dead. He died on in next gener- in generations. I think he had a big. You know, big movie to bow on. Like, I think that's that's fair. Yeah, but it there. Walter Koenig comes back here as his son, Anton yeah. uh, Anton Chekhov, famous playwright. Yeah, and, I thought that was, uh, that, was a, that was a nice moment to get his voice on on the show. Of course, a tribute to 
Yeltsin. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But it was also funny because Anton Chekhov is obviously a famous yeah. playwright. And I was like, literally, I was like, oh, that's, did they think of that? Like, yeah. <laughs> but also, obviously, a tribute to Anton Yeltsin, which was very sweet. I must admit, that moment felt again. Uh, don't get me wrong, I mean, you know, it's lovely to hear Koning, and, you know, for all we know, it might be the last time we hear him in Star Trek at the end of the day. But. I was a little bit like... Sounds like a threat. <laughs> it, it did feel... It did feel like it was cutting to the people sitting... It did feel like they were just sitting around waiting for him to deliver this message and they'd be like, right, okay, let's go on with it. Yeah, that was confusing. I was... Because I, I I forgot what Chekhov's actual first name was and I was like, oh, Chekhov's president now. Wait, he's still alive? How did... Oh, it's his son. Okay. Well, yeah, because he, he says, my, my father. Ah. Like, was it... Well, I shoot because he says, my father... It's one point he says, "Oh, if my father was here now." So I was like, "Surely your father is the famous Chekhov." Okay, but I didn't know. I couldn't remember he said father or grandfather. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like whatever. I mean, it kind of makes sense his father because fucking McCoy's around in the first episode of TNG, isn't he? Yes, like, you know, yeah. Old as fuck, but he's around. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, people do live longer at this time, don't yeah. they? Like, yeah. So it's it's fine. It works. So yeah, we've got that treasure chest of like really cool things that we kind of discovered when you know Data's kind of freed, and you know there's a great bit of you got Riker and Worf teaming up. Raffi as like the away team the, you know as they go the, the other ship has to yes. go elsewhere we haven't even mentioned Gary Ryan who's uh, is bringing it in a season and I think yeah. she's got you know her kind of like loyalty to card tested with like you know her career like he's put her on she betrays like Sure, in the first episode, you feel like you know she's not going to be able to make it as a Starfleet person. At this point, you're like your career's over. Like uh, sure, and you believe it. I I really think she's cooked a goose at that point. Well, it was a lovely little moment, wasn't it? Yeah. Where we get to see Shaw again in the final episode, yeah. where it reveals before he re- even before, before that he recorded yeah, a message really being like she should be the captain, leadership like, material, yeah, 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 which was lovely. You like, oh, he was nice all along. But like, yeah. yeah, she's just terrific in all her scenes. But then I think the one I liked the most was when she gets to see Tuvok, but it's Tuvok being replaced by a changeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, what it, the way she switches was like, a double bluff isn't it because they have a moment where he says something that makes her think oh it definitely is Tuvok and you actually hear a bit of the Voyager theme come in like oh it's yeah. all okay and then he says something else it's like you're fucking changing <laughs> what have you done with them yeah yeah have yeah. we seen much of changelings as a species or villain in, throughout because it feels DS9 like DS9 is, is the, basically the main right, right yes the Dominion oh, Dominion okay. War in DS9 is so, in the changelings of the ones only four cut. fucking seasons uh, uh, yeah uh, <laughs> is the, the changelings of the ones propelling that in because it in, feels they feel like a really so, good uh, villainous set and to build a big sort of plan and final season around they yeah like, we haven't well, I haven't seen had... the finale of, of DS9 I'm really really close but I think um, yeah I've, I've had some of it I think spoiled slightly by this well yeah like... I was about to say has the thing they were talking about in terms of the war crimes that happened already no, I don't right. Think so. Okay, so that must happen at the end, or something. Yeah, so. that must I, be. I, I think I when that gets funny when that came up because obviously we had our lower decks episode. We were like, oh, I went, and what I found hilarious, you were like, I would not watch this episode of uh, yeah, lower decks, which I was like, I don't think really spoiled anything <laughs> in particular. And then when they said that, I was like. Oh shit, has that happened already where Paul is in DS9 or is that a spoiler? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think yeah. it's uh big cat's out of the bag now, but let's move down for movie. But, but Cisco was going that way, wasn't he? In, in Pale Moonlight he was going that way. He was starting mm. to break all the rules and stuff like that. Obviously, was yeah. Do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that was she was brilliant in that scene with Tim Russ. Like seeing him a couple of times was fantastic. Yeah, he comes back again at the end, is it? I'm glad he came back as the real Tuvok at yeah. the end. 
to to make it be like, oh, he's okay, because it was just like, oh, he's actually just been helped. And you get to see the Voyager as well, like yes, yeah, 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 yeah. the ship graveyard thing, like you know, Mm -hmm. they're like going through all the different. I mean, speaking of like fan serve Easter eggs, maybe that's where it was just because it was just a like two minute segment where they go, look, there's that ship and that ship. But I don't we love. I do again. I do think they. I agree with you. The context, but I think they sold it because of funny of Jerry Ryan's performance because she was saying, "Oh, that's the ship where I was reborn," and because we've seen that, we're like, "Oh yeah, okay, we buy that." But also knowing where you go, where it ends up as the show, she's sort of like giving him what it did for her. And he's sort of still on the, like, I'm going to enjoy anything like this. Like, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it makes, like you say, when they end up together at the end in the sort of setup for Star Trek Legacy, if that ever happens, the um, the show that Terry Metallis has said he would like to make to follow this up, you know, that that is quite nice because when they're actually sitting together on the bridge of the titan or the newly rechristened titan to enterprise g it actually makes sense because we've had that scene with them before and it actually you feel it feels natural for them mm. to be sitting together in the end mm. what do we think about the idea of uh, another star trek show to follow us up star trek legacy is what terry Metallus has made very clear well, on it, twitter it, that he would like to do well, when it got right to the end and obviously q shows up and it's like now it's your test you play yeah, the was, game again i was like oh okay so it's gonna be i thought i was the one but I didn't yeah I was like I, I don't really care about the Jack show I didn't really care about Q coming back either, but I actually like what, seeing him finish up in season 2 I was like that's a really good send off actually but then he's just like oh I'm not dead and I'm gonna I'm fuck fine. you now I just oh come on yeah. like I just felt really just annoyingly that like it was the last taste of the yeah, show yeah exactly when it's like you were doing so well it capped it off perfectly it's like here's our post credits basically fuck off but what would you want <laughs> sorry Trek... sorry you terrible <laughs> you did so what, well what would you want Star Trek Legacy to be then like well, Jack show the, or something the impression else? I got from I mean obviously you know, we don't, I, I, I presume that Terry is is trying to pitch this in the hallowed halls of Paramount Plus Somewhere, although he might be on the strike at the moment. Yeah, uh, if he's a w, WGA member, which I assume he is. Um, uh, literally, that uh, show. The impression I got would be that it would be following the Enterprise G with Jerry Ryan as captain, and also have Jack Crusher there and Raffi, but be a home for bringing in basically anyone that they can or wish to from prior Star Trek yeah. lore. So basically, any I would say, a, a place that they could potentially bring anyone back from those first five shows, like, you know, of, of original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. Obviously, because, you know, time has no meaning yeah. and, and you could do time travel. You could randomly have Tuvok pop up for an episode. You could randomly have another character pop up for yeah. two episodes. You know what I mean? Well, I was thinking, I think isn't it weird idea. that around, I, I don't know what, where the timeline lines up, but it's weird to think Janeway is off out there having her adventures in Prodigy while all this is presumably happening at the same time. It's like, yeah. Janeway, where are you at? Is Prodigy set, I think Prodigy is set before this. Right. I think Prodigy is set... Because you've got to remember, there's like 20 years between TNG and this. So I think Prodigy is set in between somewhere. So, would we be interested in seeing the Star Trek Legacy show? No. No? No, because I just feel like you've just absolutely landed this ship beautifully. And I feel like this should be the last word on a lot of these characters. I think 
any further kind of revisiting, I just feel like would be a lesser occasion. Yeah. And I think it's going to lessen the impact of Picard season three and the point of it to give these people one last kind of ride together. Yeah. And I think Picard having, you know, season one and two, having these kind of people come in for like, you know, every now and again, it just wasn't as compelling as having them all together or build up in a cohesive whole as this would. And I don't think... Uh, whilst I love Seven and Nine, I don't think her, Jack, and Raffi are enough to kind of helm a show together. Even We've, if they're having other characters, having, characters popping up. Yeah, because, you know, the, the triumvirate needs to be, have so much going on. Like, you know, I don't think there's too much more we can learn about Jack that we, we, yeah. we've already discovered. It's watered and down, seven, isn't it? Yeah, and, se- and Seven, really, like, she's had gone through her amazing arc and she's she feels done in terms of character we've kind of explored through even on Voyager there's so much you know exploration her background and you know making who she is and then the ranger stuff moving into Starfleet I, I feel like we've we've been we've, she's done a fantastic job with the character but I don't know what else there is to do I very much loved that she chooses to be seven and nine in the end and rejects the human uh, moniker of Annika Hansen that their child put on her which he actually I mean, the, the most horrible thing that uh, Shaw does for me is that in that he's making her use that name at the beginning, where he's like, oh, no, I prefer that she uses the human mm. name. And a cancer thing like, yeah. It, uh, well, because he's I a was, racist because he's, yes. everybody got, his friends got murked. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and, was interesting, wasn't it? Because he brings that up in the, uh, in the bar. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I thought that was very well played by uh, Todd and really good scene. But at the same time, I was like... I kind of went back and forth because I was like, oh, it's very similar to what we know about Cisco mm-hmm. in terms of because obviously one of the best things about the DS9 pilot is that we see Cisco planted with that bow and realise that he had that. Puzzle. Taking that Cisco idea but doing something with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, doing so with it beyond the pilot, I guess. Like, yeah, you know, well, making pilot... it part of his character properly. Like, yeah, but only matters during that one scene. Yes, with with Picard, oh. but that is a great scene. That's it is a great scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's good. It starts to plant the seed that there are people out there really affected by his time as Lacuus, which is a great yeah. primer to allow Shaw's yes. realisation of that, that point. It's actually coming back mm. to haunt him in a big yeah. way. It wasn't just the fact that you know he's got his own personal trauma. He's caused trauma for other people. Not by his. I mean, it's amazing how many people don't see it. Like you know, his, uh, he was not in control of himself when that was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, they've got this kind of um, PTSD about it. Well, I suppose the fact also that actually what is good about it, it shows that actually something like that would never leave you in terms of because it was such a huge bout that affected so many people that actually oh it shows that no there would be people coming up like also yeah. being like oh yeah actually you kill my whole family yes but, and so yeah talking about like you know things that happen that have been significant in the past let's talk ensign row oh yes yeah ensign row who i to truly understand the episode went back and watched her introduction episode and her departure episode TNG. Yeah, as Pre- yeah, Ensign Row and then Preemptive Strike was your reading list. I should have rewatched Ensign Row as well, but I just did Preemptive Strike, which is penultimate strike for the whole yeah. season. And it's interesting just to watch a show that's sort of so confident and kind of like just go through the kind of like you know motions of being a good TV at that point in the season seven. You should have watched Ensign Row because I thought that was the better episode of the two. Yeah, I think I think well that's the thing um, I've. People I've been reading and listening to, like you say, you know, nobody had Creator Strike on their kind of like episodes you must watch of TNG. Yes. Yet yeah. now it's like it required viewing, and it's Ooh. great how like it can elevate like a smaller episode to like be something really as a great primer for this. And again, in the same way, you've just got like Crusher and Picard, 
for the first time in, in this universe, really going at it in an argument and kind of like with human adult grown up stakes. Mm. Similarly, the combination of like the Roe and Picard relationship is given like fantastic screen time. And yes, it's a very good episode, and that's why it, it was the quality of the episode and the acting and performances mm-hmm. in it that made me go back and watch those episodes because I was literally like. I watched it, and it was it was a very good episode. Just sound like I kind of you know they they had enough in there for you to get the significance. Of yeah, because I didn't know. I was like, oh, it's her from Battlestar. Cool. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I, I got was like, the obviously sense she's through, been in a lot of stuff. Got, you get the sense through the episodes, like, oh, okay, they've had some history. There was betrayals, and now this is her like redemptive moment. Oh, yes, she's the captain of the Pegasus, yeah. isn't she? Yes. Yes. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a performance. Yeah, Michelle Forbes, who yeah. she has been in amazing. loads of stuff over the years. Episode Seinfeld. But I was like, yeah, I want to go back. And when I watched this, I was like, oh, okay. They had this whole like backstory. She was off of DS9 and turned it down. Oh, really? Oh, that makes sense as well because she has obviously she has a touch of the Kira. So yeah, I read that, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they invented Kira after she turned it down. Oh, so okay. Well, that, was that, that makes Kira. perfect sense because mm. literally, I was like, when I was watching her in TNG, I was like, oh, she's a bit Kira-like, isn't she? And then oh, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Mm. So that was that was the plan that she would have been. I mean, obviously, I'm glad we got Kira of an anniversary. She's, like, she's yeah. great, and it's fun because like towards the end of this this season of Picard I was like oh I can't tell who if anyone is going to die and I'm really excited about that because it's only to be seen I don't want anyone to and no one did um, oh yeah outside of the um, general attachments to the characters from TNG the way that they're portrayed throughout the season makes you care about them as well as we've said they've all got their moments they've all got the stuff going on so it felt a bit like maybe Rose brought in like here's someone else from the past that we can kill off, and in yeah. doing so, kind of wrap stuff up, add a little bit of extra stakes. And it was a deep cut. I mean, that wasn't that didn't feel like fan service at all because it was a character I was like, like I don't really know her. Like I think like I couldn't remember her as being right. one of the main like people. It meant to me when yeah. she came in. But, but, that's but you know what I mean. Terms, it didn't feel like a really obvious, but it just felt like a deep cut. It felt like a person who knew the history of the show was writing this and writing it well. Yeah. You know, yeah. like um, so that that too. What in terms of killing characters off? Mm. Would you have wanted anyone to die from this cast? Do you think it would have well, been better if we, someone died? It, no, I don't think so. And it's funny because we often talk about how like. A lot of blockbuster films these days, stakes are hard to believe because no one ever dies, or if they do die, they're never really dead forever. I think this is a big sort of pandemic problem. Are you saying that John Cena is not, not dead? Oh, exactly. Fast I, mean, and no, I refuse to believe anyone is ever dead in fast films. <laughs> they're definitely 100% alive. And it's a, it's a genuine problem. It's like I applaud things when they do stick to the guns and kill them off. But saying that, it was like there was a bit inside of me going, oh, if they take my own advice and like, kill off a few people in this being their last big adventure it will be tense and exciting but with this particular story and crew I was like ah that would actually be quite traumatising and in a way and it made it really engaging to continue watching and I was I think it's great because I've been going into the last two I was there was absolute moments where people are saying goodbye and they're doing those kind of scenes you do when somebody's back to the guy, exactly. they're lining it up because they know what you've been. Well, through it's, this. it's surprising when, like, the end of episode eight, I think, kind of wraps up the Vanek stuff with that badass, like, blasting her out of the fucking airlock. Get off thing. my bridge, yeah. fucking solids. There was there was two um, like Air Force One references yeah. like, in this show. I can't remember the other one, but that was definitely one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that, so, that was great. And so great. when that happened, with like two episodes left to go, I was like, oh, what the hell? And it's like, oh yeah, I guess they have the great conspiracy to unravel, and then the Borg stuff comes in. I'm like, of course, it has to kind of be the Borg with these guys 
Always the Borg. It has to be the Borg. Like, well, I mean, yeah. Would you have wanted anyone to die, Paul? No. Okay. Uh, no, not the way it played out. I, I just, I've, if one was think, going to, who would it be? I don't know. I thought it was going to be Wolf, at least, because he's at least like, yes, give me the warrior death, please, I'm begging. I, I'm glad no one died no, as well. I I, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked. You wouldn't have been able to get that beautiful scene at the end no. with, the, with them replicating the end of all good things. And to me, I mean, that's a funny it's one, funny. because... It is a replay of the end of All Good Things, uh, with them all playing poker, but it worked. It didn't feel like, oh, you're just doing the ending of All Good Things again. It was kind of like, yeah, of course they are, because that's what they always did. Well, that's the idea of that ending. Well, like, it's yeah. also like, it actually proves that something that's like the ridiculousness of like the next the original series where like they come back and they're all on the ship together again yes so just in any of our book life this would never happen where you have these same 60 plus year old people <laughs> yeah and they still have the ship like all of their old roles life happened to these people they were all yeah. so successful what they did that they all had to go in their different directions date had to die wolf like went off to the ds9 etc etc so they wouldn't be poker nights everything like that so when the poker night recurs again it's like it's great they're back together and it's like this is earned because there's a reason why these people pass across once yeah. more again and they realise what they meant to each other and so it, it works in, in my view in terms of it's not like something we're you know just rehashing it's just like this is probably the only poker night we've seen since All Good Things. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, that was a theme of them playing poker all the way through TNG. And then the whole thing is, at the end of All Good Things, it is that they invite Picard to join them, isn't it? That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And like... Um, well, he, yeah, they, oh, yeah, I've let Matt discover it. I don't want to... Regret. I mean, it's fine. You've seen the all the films. The after. It's not like... I mean, that's the, no, big, the, he, big, the is, big spoiler of the yeah, ending. Like. So Troy says, you know, you're always welcome. He said, well, he said, I should have done this years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, at the end of TNG. Yeah. I should have fleeced you years ago. <laughs> Four aces. <laughs> like, uh, Five aces. But yeah, I apparently they literally filmed the cast playing an entire poker game for the end of this and then just picked the bits they wanted from it. Mm. Like, let well it's just that like overhead shot. Um, yeah. Nothing. Sean Luke. Queen oh. for the counselor. Lady for the lady. Tray. Nine of spades. Another tray for the doctor. Oh, okay. uh, 25. Oh. Ooh. Okay. Uh-oh. 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 I see you. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. I fold, okay? Oh. Seriously? With two cards? Yeah. I'm up. Oh. Moving into like probably the two weaker episodes, which are like seven and eight. If there is a kind of lull in the series, it's those two where it's, it's taking forever. Uh, for what's the data subplot that you got like the kind of taking over the ship yeah the hostage situation they run around and they, they mission impossible rogue nation vadic trapping her in a box and then yeah it doesn't work <laughs> yeah it doesn't work but then uh, i think that reversal uh, is really i insane. think eight is pretty great because that's when they vanquish vadic and they all come back together at the end around the conference room table yeah, it's, and it's, that. it's pretty pretty good but it but it, for me it was just like the reveal what Jack's programming is, they really fucking take their time with that when it's like, they they just draw it out just a little bit too I, long. I, I agree. The one thing they missed a beat of, the, the thing that would have made episode eight even better is that if you remember at the end of episode eight, it's them heading towards the red door and being mm. like, what's behind the red door? And it ends. And then at the beginning of episode nine, they reveal it's the Borg. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. 
do you, that at the you, end of the day. Reveal that at the end of the episode. And that felt like a modern serialised storytelling. I'm like, no, no, no. You do that at the end. That's the cliffhanger. Yeah. It reminded me of the episode of Lost, at the end of Lost Season 1. Yeah, where it's like <laughs> where you go down the hatch and you yeah. don't get to see what's in it. And I'm like, no, just fucking do that at the end of the episode. Reveal that it's a Borg at the end of the episode. We go, oh, okay, it's the Borg. Credits. Fine. Like, yeah, uh, yeah that, think, that was weird. Yeah. And we, you kind of like sort of made a, a mention that the Borg oh it's the Borg again I was like well you know we could see it slightly coming but it was like it, it does make sense for Picard this is Star Trek Picard after all and the biggest thing that happened to him was the Borg first contact was the best movie and it does work it's a really good plan of theirs to sort of like you know the yeah, Borg yeah. are this kind of like weird kind of like dormant thing now this is their chance of getting revenge for him but also it makes first contact make more sense and the whole reason why they picked Picard as well and like you know, the fact that he can still hear them is never explained in the movie, but they give a reason for it now, where he's like still kind of plugged in, or like it's in his DNA, you know, or they've altered him somewhat. Yes, yeah, and yeah. Um, like so, he can, he, I can hear them. I hear their voices, mm. and it's just like that makes. So he's kind of passed it on to Jack, almost. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And Picard, you know, season three, like it improves first contact even more. So it's like first contact is better by virtue of Picard season three existing. Um, I feel. Yeah, well, it's been the first contact. The whole beginning of eight, when Vanek and the cronies, you know, do take over the ship, felt very first contact with like the Borg coming on board. Like the whole thing of villains coming on board your ship in your space and taking over, and then basically like you know, hostage holding on the bridge and executions and stuff. Like it's really good stuff. So it was weird that that was just all contained in that one episode. From them breaking out and taking over completely to being fucked up and being shot out the back was uh, a good little sort of standalone mm. thing for that. But I love that whole thing of any of the villain getting up in your house. And, uh... Well, this is the thing, because of course they do that at the end of uh, season three of Discovery very well with Osira, like, yeah. uh, taking over the ship. I think that's the highlight, that one of the highlights of that season is, is, Osira, taking, right. is Osira taking over the ship. Because that feels really scary, the way they take yeah. over the uh, ship and that. The thing, what do we think about the fact that the changelings... Essentially, you're like bitches for the Borg in this, in terms of because really they're essentially it's that kind of switch up of like uh, it's a bit Bane in Dark Knight Rises where you're like Bane's the big bad, and then you're like, oh no, suddenly you see Marin Courtier is Talia, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> that reveal it reminded me a bit of that in terms of you think, oh, these are the big bad, and then it's like, oh no, it's the Borg, really. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't mind it, like, um. Because I, because Vanek's such a great singular presence, like a character, very good. Yeah, to hear. yeah, Honey Bunny, yeah, really good. So she really just sells all of that because everyone else is just you know changeling, cannon fodder type stuff. But yeah. she's the one, the real one. She outplays Vanek, like for sure. like in yeah. the early episodes where she sort of talks about what the ship's capable of and that kind of thing, just toying with them. It's just great. She just has she's dangerous and it almost like she didn't need a handler to kind of make put her in a place she was like enough on her own but yeah you know, they needed the kind of like that the the, the the manifestation of like the the changeling i thought was really visually something else because it's like what yeah you know no the 90s changelings are so grounded in kind of the cgi of the day it's, it's interesting mm. to see what we do with them. With so we haven't seen them on screen since DS9. No, no, no interesting. No. So, they, so they, interesting villains. They're, they're getting the uh, the Doctor Who treatment of like, oh, they're back, but like yes. new and improved. A yes, bit, yeah. yes, um, yes. Question though, what? Because um, I can't remember. I mean, the Borg Queen played a big part in season two, right? Like, was that? Well, not the this same? is the thing because this is one thing about the Borg coming back is they basically <laughs> have to wreck 
Picon season two of Picard, yeah, that's what I thought. which I found really weird because obviously that scene we've already talked about. There's Q a line comes back there to do it. Well, when Q comes back, Jack actually says, "Oh, aren't you dead?" or something like that, and he's like, "Why do you think so linearly in terms of like, oh, he's like a version of Q before he died kind of thing, like you know." And I was like, okay, so that's referencing Q's death at the end of season two. So season two clearly still happened within (laughs) continuity. But then with the Borg, there's a line where Picard's like, the Borg haven't been seen in 10 years. And I'm like, mate, you saw him last fucking week in Picard season two. What's going on? Uh, That felt odd to me in terms of the fact that... Somebody else says, like, doesn't she say, like, are they happy Borg now or something like that? She goes... They're on a different part of the galaxy now. Oh, I missed that. I so missed I think that. she said, you know, the one that um, Dr. Um, Gerati. Gerati, like, you know, which became the Borg Queen. She just, like, took them off to be, like, a, a, a version of the Borg that don't assimilate. They they take in people who want to be saved. Right, like, or, 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 right, you know. right, right. So it did end up this meant to be, like, offshoot Borg. Yeah, it's a voluntary Borg. But Whereas then, these Borgs are, like... These are the original Borg because it's Alice Krieg's back. But, yeah. but even then we get Borg Queen played by Alice Krieg and obviously the Borg Queen was in season two of Picard yeah. played by... But that was uh, all the Alternate Universe. Oh, was it? Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know because it's, it's played by... It's played by the woman who played <laughs> Rene in 24 yeah. who I think played her in... Uh, she like dies and Jurati takes over... But here, she, Alice Creed was back. But she's like all mutant. Like, she, yeah, so I was like, yeah, I that's so cool. She's basically yeah. sapping, you know, sapping the uh, life out of the other Borg to, to sustain herself, which is, it was fucking disgusting, which I loved. Yeah, she wasn't sexy Borg Queen. The last of alien sex. There was not none of that this time. Um, I know, I know, Halliwell would have been so disappointed yeah. with this. I yeah. mean, this is this is not horny first contact. Yeah. With, is that uh, what Halliwell yeah. says? That, 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 yeah, Halliwell says about last first contact. He goes, <laughs> <laughs> he had been dead for like 10 years unfortunately. That, that resurrected him when he saw that he was like oh fuck I'm back in I'm back like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah he was he was loving that um, but yeah there isn't any of that in this they're all past it at this yeah point. well I thought it was it was cool like and let's get into like the frontier day I'm gonna yeah, say so all the effects in the last two seasons uh, last two episodes are, are fucking brilliant yeah and so once yeah. you get the Enterprise D that they commandeer, and yet, like, it breaks his own kind of, like, universe for a slight minute where they kind of do put a lot of time into just having the crew banter and kind of, like, get a bit reacquainted with the old ship and looking at it. But that's lovely, isn't but it? But it's lovely. I'm, yeah. I'll give her a pass because I'm like, yeah, yeah. Nick picking nits, you would say, we've got a job to do. Yeah. But actually, let's just, just drink in for a minute. Like, Look, And also, it was the lovely thing, because obviously one of the complaints about this season from some people online was, oh, it's too dark. and everything, Which you obviously complain about a lot of modern cinema and TV. But in with the Titan, obviously, obviously the lights were off and the Titan. Yeah. I, I was like, it reminded me of like, because a lot of people, when you're working in an office, like prefer the lights off. And I'm like, don't you realise what you're doing to your eyes? And they yeah. you're like, turn the lights on. Yeah. Like, and like, but then when they go to the Enterprise D yeah. and they go, switch the lights on. Like, yeah, and yeah. they all cut, suddenly come up floodlit like it's a 90s show again. You're yeah. like, oh my God, that's so perfect because it makes the, 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 comparable difference between the dark titan and suddenly it's all lit up 
in yeah. the uh, yeah, showroom is back. Yeah, it totally works. Like and he's like, oh, I missed the carpet. My chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. lovely. So yeah, good. well, yeah, they could have used the generations relighting scheme, but they didn't. Which I'm glad they didn't. They kept, yeah, kept yeah. it kept it authentic. Well, they apparently they brought back all the original set designers, everything like that, to recreate that mm. set. It's done very lovingly, and I think um, so. We have the. Uh, yeah, rescuing Jack from uh, being kind of fulfilling his prophecy as like this this weapon, isn't he? Like using him. I mean, I can't remember actually what they do. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's but beside the point. He's rescuing Picard. Goes in there, and there's so many goodbye scenes with him and Riker, etc. That you kind of feel like somebody's going to get get done here, but um, all leading to a fantastic sequence where Data pilots the Enterprise D through the Borg. Looks amazing. Yeah, that sequence. And yeah, 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 it goes pure Return of the Jedi yeah. with it, and I love it. You know, straight into the reactor room, but they it all I trust my gut. It's the shot of them looking up and the ship being above them as they get beamed away because they need to get really close to rescue them. Mm. It's just like that is obviously that's Metallus dreamed that up and has realized it. It's there on screen now. There's yeah, lots of emotional moments that finale. I love the whole bit. I mean, one thing I will say is uh, I did not like earlier on the season. There's a moment where they do a fake out of Worf's death where him and Raffi have basically a fake fight. And she stabs him, and he's like going, "Oh, this is a good day to die." So it's like, and I was watching it going, "I know you haven't killed Worf. This is bullshit." And that kind of annoyed me. So I was kind of almost glad when they came back to it at the end to give a lot of proper actual epic where he was just like Riker is like the Borg ship is going down where is this is this good enough for you he's like yes it is indeed a good day to die like yeah, yeah, yeah it's good and also Wolf got a great moment when they were on the Enterprise D and they were raving about it being yeah, like oh it's yeah. great the carpets everything like and he's like I prefer the E far better weapons <laughs> that's really funny I mean it's perfect <laughs> yeah I mean the whole thing I think it kind of perfectly balances the fan service and the sound stuff we're telling a really really good solid character based story well are we think of every individual season of New Trek we've seen it's our favourite uh, I would say personally I think for me it's like this and Strange New World season 1 are like I, I for think, very different reasons I think this is better than Strange New World season 1 in, in my personal opinion Like, I mean I think I actually really like the early seasons of Discovery, I really like. I think they're really, really good. But I think as a whole season of TV, I think this is the best season they've done of New Trek uh, since it all came back. And I think it is, in all honesty, the season that most feels like it embraces the prestige TV format. Yeah. Because when New Trek started with Discovery, you thought, oh, this is going to be prestige Star Trek. And I think that all of them have kind of straddled the line slightly, whereas yeah. this feels like prestige TV it's Star like Trek they, in they, a good way. It's like they knew, oh, this is the one. You can tell everyone in it from the way they're performing and, and the scripts and everything. You can tell, oh, this is... They went into this knowing this is the season that needs to matter and count, and it does. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I think they knew that this was something special, and I think it shows. Well, yeah, like it's uh, my favourite new new Trek. Like pound for pound, it's probably one of the, the finest seasons of Trek that's ever existed. Yeah. Because it's like, but it's it's unfair to start against the twenty six episode order. But yeah, I, I loved it. And yeah, next Strange New World season one was the one to beat, yeah. and it has like it, it also had absolute joy with this. You know, it's what kind of I wanted from in terms of kind of wrapping up what I want from yeah. Star Wars sequel trilogy and didn't get. I got like you know we we started off fantastically strong, uh-huh. but then it just 
really fucked up like towards the end and like have you done a reverse ferret on Rise of Skywalker because when you first saw that you were the defender I mean yeah I wanted to enjoy it I wanted to like see the best in it because I, I, you know you don't want the disappointment of like it not being what it was right so do you feel like you've gone you've gone back on it yeah, you, yeah no yeah, I don't I, think I've gone back on it I think I you know it took, sometimes it takes a little while for things to kind of bed in doesn't it okay so shall we wheel round to file thoughts as we've we've effused about a lot of this so Paul yeah, well, as I said, that's my final thought, is that, yeah, I absolutely love this show. This is the best season. If it can it almost stand alone, everything from the Okuda's kind of title design, the reuse of, like, um, Goldsmith's first contact theme getting used as the theme for this show. The, the scoring, I didn't even mention, was terrific throughout. Yes, it I agree. Rousing. I agree. It, it was felt, like, appropriately large and, and scale for what we were seeing on screen. I really appreciate the kind of economic direction and um, set design where they had kind of, you know, metallically used the budget season two, which is to create some of the sets he'd use throughout all season three to bring the, well, move the money to the right places, which is paying to get these guys back. You know, this is, that would have been a huge chunk of the budget paying the seven, you know, or so stars of Next Generation all represent here. So it just felt like, you know, all the right choices are made in that regard. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a, such a fan. I'm really happy. To, I, I kind of want to buy this just to have it alongside my Star Trek Next Generation movies. Just nice. I feel like it's that's like... The highest praise. That's it. I think I might actually buy this. Amazing. Yeah, yeah well, Paramount Plus, bring it out on fucking Blu-ray so Paul can actually <laughs> buy it. Matt? Yeah, no, I really, I really love this. And I think... I guess I'm the voice of the person who has seen, like, the, less, uh, the least TNG and everything surrounding it. So even from the most non-Trekkie point of view, it works a lot because you, you feel that gravitas. I don't know whether seasons one or two really fed into it and helped that, as we've said. I think, I agree with Paul, I think three can very much stand alone. You can just be like, oh, this Raffi person, somebody new, like whatever. And yeah, I think it does a really good job of telling one singular story over 10 episodes in a way where there aren't that many dips. You know, we say sort of around seven and eight is a bit of one, but it's like, I think it's all very well paced. I think it starts from this sort of space noir detective story, like buddy cop, Riker and Picard thing to a great conspiracy and high stakes straight away. And then just like tense, tense action across the Titan for a good bulk of the middle and then having its own very much clear third act after episode eight. I think it's really, really solid. And it's like, yeah, I don't think we need any more from these guys. I'm all for another new Star Trek show, like whether, you know, on that on that point about legacy, whether or not it's that. For me, I think that one should just kind of lay down and not not follow Jack and stuff. Lay that order. <laughs> it, exactly, but lay that order. But it's like, I'm totally up for new adventures and stuff from completely new cast. Almost do the opposite of Legacy, where it's just like, Star Trek, colon, who the fuck are these people, you know? Which is... Uh, <laughs> next, next generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what Discovery started out as, especially as well. But do another one like that, but with this level of quality behind it. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, I agree. I think it's the best season of New Trek. Yeah, just incredibly well-written and acted and directed. It's a really impressive, really strong season. Or I question why they didn't just do this as a ten-part limited series, yeah. like reuniting the TNG crew and just do it. Star Trek Next Generation season eight, and not bother with season one and two of Picard. And because, like you say, apart from Raffi, there's basically no reason to have had those two seasons yeah. of Picard anymore. I don't think it really adds much at all. 
Um, so but you, you know, know how his mummy hanged herself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, weird. What? It feels like a weird contractual thing. Like you know, like they had to get those done to get to here. I I don't know, but whatever the case, it was worth it in the end. We got it. It was great. Terry Metalis, like, you know, I think he's proved himself for this. So if he's got a strong idea for Star Trek Legacy, I'm kind of like, I'll go with him. So we'll see. But yeah, I think if we don't get any more, I think this is fine as a last full stop on that TNG era. I will say that I think Marina Sirtis is probably the most short-changed uh-huh. of the cast. She feels like she has the least screen time but she still, she still has some funny moments in it. I just enjoy seeing everyone again. Well, it's consistent with the history of the show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy seeing everyone again. I like Jack Crusher. I think it's a really good story. And yeah, I mean, I, I hope that really the producers of New Trek learn from this. Are like, oh, this is the kind of gravitas we could bring to potential future seasons of other stuff we do because yeah. it feels a lot more adult in its nature and yeah I hope we get more seasons like this doesn't necessarily have to be the same crew could be new stuff so we we shall see so yeah very positive across the board and uh, we've really you know you can tell for how long we've talked that this is one we were really infused about so yeah we will uh move on to Star Trek Prodigy Season 1 Part 2 at some point, but that will then be the last chapter of New Trek before we have a little break, before Strange World Season 2 completes, and we can concentrate on some other aspects of the Star Trek universe, which I look forward to continue to explore with you guys. Yes. But until then, you can find us at Spotlight Pod at uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, Matt, last time you did a whole spiel about your new Clancy Brown podcast, so I cut it out because she hadn't fucking announced it by the time <laughs> we got back to it. And, uh, and also out, yeah. Sun Double Deep ending and everything. So if you want to say anything about that. That's true. So by the time this goes out, it may well be that Sun Double Deep has gone on its, uh, I'm going to say, semi-permanent hiatus. The plan is to take a break for at least the rest of the year. Uh, and see where, what the future holds in 2024. You're actively talking about bringing the show back during these We just can't help it. We're just like, what about this? What about this? So this is, uh, yeah, the, the Triple Bill title podcast I do with Daryl Bear. And, uh, yeah, we both need to claw some time back. He is a very busy new to father. To watch more Star Trek. To watch more Star Trek. Uh, we have all these other side projects as well, including our Is Paul Dana OK podcast, which, yeah, we're doing a mini-season all about Clancy Brown. Uh, which by the time this goes out will probably be in the middle of airing, I imagine. So check us out over there. We're covering films like Highlander and Starship Troopers and Shawshank Redemption with your good self, sir. I look forward to it. uh, As well. So, yeah, won't you take me too? Clancy Brown! Coming soon, if not now. And, Paul, we can't find you on Twitter because you quit it. Yeah. So that's... So that's, that's it that. for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we do look forward to seeing you again at some point, or you can hear us again at some point in the future. But until then, engage. Engage.